Welcome to the Abiding Marriage Podcast. I'm Sean Salberg. And I'm Glenn Salberg, her husband. So glad you could join us on today's episode. And if you've listened to any of our podcasts before, yes, I do sound different today. (laughs) Unfortunately, my wife does sound a little different. Yes, trying to get over having a stuffy nose for some reason, but we will get through this together. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, you know, on today's episode, it's one that we've really been wanting to talk about for a while. You know, so many of the couples that we sit with, they kind of feel stuck or sometimes a little crippled in their marriage relationship really because of some things they believe about marriage that just aren't true. Um, we can hear those kind of lies from others and start to believe them, or sometimes our life experiences can lead us to wrong conclusions about things in life. And so um, without ever thinking about those things, those lies might be leading you down the wrong path. And so today we want to talk about some of these lies that you and your spouse may be believing about marriage and why those lies can cripple or eventually kill your marriage. And of course, while talking about these lies, Mm, we're gonna also discuss the truth that we need to believe to start living out this in place of the lies. So stay with us to hear more. And as always, we really do thank you for joining us on this journey of marriage. mentioned, one thing we've learned as we've talked to couples over the years is that there's many false messages about marriage that we can be tempted to believe. And if we don't recognize them as lies Mm. as they are, then they can prevent you and your spouse from growing and connecting as God has intended you to when he designed marriage. Right, right. And, And let's be honest with one another. We all have the same ability to be deceived to believe things that just aren't true. Mm -hmm. The Bible gives us examples of this, like Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, or if you prefer David, believing he could get away with adultery and murder in 2 Samuel 11. You know, none of us is beyond being deceived, so we must have our guard up. Yes, and there's a lot of lies out there. (laughs) We wish we could go over all of them with you (laughs) to help you be aware of them, but... We're only gonna be able to cover a few of those today. However, after you listen, take some time to check out our show notes because we will have links to some online resources to help you understand and identify some other lies that you and your spouse may be believing. So here's our first lie, and, and, and it's one that I think anybody can believe, and it is the lie that marriage is about my happiness. Again, the lie is marriage is about my happiness. You know, we start off with this one because we think it's one that so many people are prone to believe. Mm-hmm. And, and while it's true that we should experience happy moments in our life and in our marriage, we have to be careful not to put the goal of marriage to be primarily about my own happiness, mm-hmm. right? But you might be thinking, but what could be better than happiness? Don't I deserve to be happy? <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's what we believe is better than happiness, and that's transformation and lasting change. All right. So let's go over three verses that really speak about this transformation that God wants for us. The first one is from Romans 8, 29. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
and in Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And finally, 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You know, these verses remind us that God is working to bring transformation in us. You know, our lives, after we're born again into a relationship with God, are all about being transformed from the old man or the old woman into the new man or the new woman that God designed you to be. You know, and as you cooperate with God in that transformation process, you become more like Christ. And God is glorified in that. Because as the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, our ultimate goal in everything we do should be really to glorify God. Yes. And here's what Pastor Bill Eliff says on God's purpose of transformation in our marriage. Every marriage knows unhappiness. Mm. Every marriage knows conflict. Mm. Mm -hmm. Every marriage knows difficulty. But everyone can be joyful in their marriage by focusing on God's purposes and his glory instead of individual happiness. Mm, that's good. And circling back to experiencing happiness in our marriage, here's something to keep in mind. As we cooperate with God in allowing him to bring transformation to our individual life, it can also transform our marriage. Because as we become more like Christ, mm. he will give us incredible moments of happiness and joy. Mm -hmm. so, so let's make sure, first and foremost, that we understand that marriage is not primarily about my or your happiness. You know, instead, it's about God's transformation of you into a new man or a new woman who increasingly looks and acts like Jesus, right. your Savior. Which goes against everything the world's going to tell you. Because all we hear <laughs> in the world now is it's about your happiness and what's going to make me happy. <laughs> mm. So again, we have to battle this lie with the mm -hmm. truth of what Scripture says is the main goal of us becoming more like Christ. Right. So now we'll talk about the second lie. It is, I married the wrong person or we're just not compatible. <laughs> mm, yeah. Maybe you've thought that before, or even heard one of your friends say that to you. Um, it is one that we hear often, mm. especially for couples who are on the brink of divorce, who have been in a tough situation, especially if it's been for an extended mm. period of time. Mm. But the truth is that any one of us can be tempted to think this, because we all face hurt and disappointment and frustration in our marriages. You know, Sean and I, and probably you and your spouse, could attest to the fact that we, we were really not truly compatible when we got married. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God joined two flawed and imperfect people together in Glenn and Sean. Uh, we both married the, quote, wrong person. 
So, you know, so let's dispel the myth of the one right person, the soulmate, right, mm -hmm. that you hear mm -hmm. about out there <laughs> in our culture today. You know, these are lies we can be tempted to believe both in searching for a spouse to marry and in dealing with the hurt and disappointment in marriage once we are on the other side of I do. Right. So if you've come to actually believe this lie about your spouse, then we'd like you to listen to a Duke University professor, Stanley Harawas, I think is how you say his last name. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Here's what he shared. <laughs> He says, the assumption is that there is someone just right for us to marry, and that if we look closely enough, we will find the right person. That assumption overlooks a crucial aspect in marriage. It fails to appreciate the fact that we always marry the wrong person. We never know whom we marry. We just think we do. The primary problem is, learning how to love and care for the stranger to whom you find yourself married. Let me say that again. We never know whom we marry. We just think we do. Mm. The primary problem is learning how to love and care for the stranger to whom you find yourself married to. You know, the truth of what this Duke professor is sharing is really vital you know, marriage is a lifelong process of both you and your spouse, with God's help, adapting to the changes you both will experience. And, and as you live together as husband and wife, you know, and as Christ followers, we are empowered to demonstrate a supernatural love that helps us grow and be transformed through the hurts and disappointments of marriage that we will all face. You know, we're all called to love our spouse with the same love that Christ has shown us. You know, Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I'll say that one more time. Romans 15, 7, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You know, when you listen to that, there's really not much that's hard to understand in just those 16 words. We're called to accept our spouse just as mm. Christ has accepted us. And how did he accept us? When we were his enemies. Mm. Right. When we were lost and without hope. When we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. And that's how we're called to accept our spouse with all their flaws and all their imperfections, remembering that they have to live with our flaws and our mm, imperfections yeah. too. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, but, but, but let me give an important caveat right now, um, something that you want you to understand um, about accepting your spouse, right? You know, we are all called by Christ to accept them as God's gift to us as a spouse, your spouse is made in God's image just as you are. But that does not mean you accept or ignore sinful behaviors. Right. You know, these need to be talked about with grace and with truth and, with, and without defensiveness. And sins such as, you know, sexual abuse, domestic violence, and other unsafe behaviors that bring harm to others, these need to be addressed with other people involved, including authorities at mm -hmm. times. 
But now getting back to the lie that we married the wrong person or that we're incompatible, we understand the temptation to believe this lie because again, any of us can be tempted in that way. But when that thought comes to your mind, remember Romans 15, seven, and speak it out loud to yourself. Then ask the Lord to help you love mm. and accept your spouse the way he has given him or her to you and trust that God gives good gifts. Mm. And your spouse is no exception to this good gift. Mm. You know, it can also be helpful in those moments of being tempted to believe that you married the wrong person to remember this quote by a guy named Timothy Deal. Here's what Timothy says. Marriage is an invitation to give yourself to someone who will at times be your best friend and at other times be something akin to an enemy. Marriage is not an invitation to fulfillment, but an invitation to transformation as we learn what it really means to love. A good marriage comes not from the right people finding each other, but from two people committed to loving each other as they are, not as they wish they were. Mm. We're going to share that quote and Romans 15, 7 in our show notes so you guys can go back and read over that again. Mm-hmm. Now, this third lie, I'm sure we've all either heard it or even said it. Mm. Marriage shouldn't be this hard. (laughs) Yes. And like the first lie that we shared about marriage being about our happiness, this also is a lie that Mm. anyone can believe because the truth is marriage is hard and (laughs) it does require ongoing work. it does. So if you've been married more than a few months, you're likely already seeing that marriage is harder than you may have anticipated. But... If you're still not believing that marriage takes work, this one verse might help you get there. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 wrote a whole chapter about marriage. And here's what Paul says at the end of verse 28. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. I love the honesty of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this, <laughs> Paul says. Here it is. You know, um, Paul in that verse didn't say we might face troubles, but rather that we will face troubles in marriage. Mm-hmm. And to make sure we get the full context, he didn't say that we would have few troubles but rather many troubles Mm -hmm. are you encouraged now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but please remember that the many troubles we will face in marriage are not because the design of marriage is broken Mm -hmm. but because in marriage god brings two sinners together to live under one roof in a fallen broken world and that's the reality of why every couple faces many troubles in marriage so if that's the reality for every couple, then, then, then how should we respond to that? Well, there's a lot of things that my wife and I could share, but let's just fake, stay focused on two things. The many troubles of marriage should lead us to two places, a place of dependence and a place of humility. And so dependence, the troubles that we face in this life, both because of what is inside of us and because of what is around us in the world, are designed by God to lead us to dependence Mm -hmm. on Him. Absolutely. 
None of us were designed to live this life without the help of our Creator, as well as the help of others that He's put into our life. And let's just be honest. None of us like to be dependent on other people. (laughs) (laughs) We want to be able to do things on our own. But as we begin to understand and live out our dependence on God and on others, we're going to find ourselves being able to flourish even in the midst of difficult seasons of our lives. So that so that's dependence, but what's, this, what's humility, right? And so if we are to be dependent more and more on God and others in the challenges of life, then that dependence starts with humility. You know, humility gives me a right view of who I am and a right view of who God is. But humility also drives me to prioritize others' needs over my own needs. Because let's face it, many of the troubles we face in our relationship with our spouse are because of our selfishness. Mm -hmm. So let's destroy the lie that marriage shouldn't be hard. And let's work consistently at becoming more humble and more dependent on the Lord as we allow him to help us grow through the troubles that we do face. Here's our fourth lie. If we have disagreements and conflict in marriage, then something's wrong. You know, this is really related to the lie we just shared about marriage shouldn't be this hard. You know, depending on what you experienced growing up, you may see marital conflict in one of three ways. You know, first, you might see it as bad. Conflict is bad. Maybe you grew up in a home where there's lots of conflict and fighting and yelling. So you have that as your model, and you may do the same thing, or often it moves you to be a conflict avoider. You know, that's kind of my story. I grew up thinking conflict was bad, so I tended in early in our marriage especially to avoid conflict if possible. But I was sure to hold my ground if you confronted me. Yes, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Or second, you may have grown up not seeing conflict at all. That is more rare, but it does happen. And this was my story, as I never saw my parents fight or disagree. So when I got married, I expected to never have an argument or to ever disagree. (laughs) Sorry (laughs) about that. (laughs) When we did, I didn't know what to do or how to deal with it in a healthy way. Or thirdly, some of you may have been raised in a home where your parents model what we might call working through conflict in a God-honoring way. You saw them have disagreements, but you also saw them working through the disagreement in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. But no matter what your experience is or was growing up, here's what we want to emphasize. Conflict in marriage is normal. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it Every is. couple will experience conflict, and it shouldn't surprise us. The fact alone that we're sinful human beings is enough to fuel some conflict and disagreement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you add in the male and female differences that we have going on, mm-hmm. and then you top that off with different personalities and how we deal with things. We have different temperaments, and you have plenty of fuel for marital disagreements and conflict. Absolutely. But all that is not to say that we are doomed to have Mm. horrible fights and disagreements as a couple. You know, that's far from the truth. I think the biggest God-given opportunity that you and your spouse can understand and begin to live out 
is that the primary source of conflict in my relationships is not outside of me, but rather it's rather inside of me. You know, that foundational truth, when fully understood and lived out in marriage, will change the way that you and your spouse experience marital conflict. You know, for more practical help on that, we want to point you to two podcasts we did on conflict called Working Through Conflict in Marriage, Parts 1 and 2. They're episodes 20 and 21. So, so please take time to go back and listen to both of those and take time to discuss what you may see in yourselves as a couple through listening to those. We want to share, we, what we share in those episodes will not only help you dispel the lie that disagreements and conflict mean there's something wrong in your marriage, but they'll also truly help you both to work through conflict in a God-honoring and in a spouse-honoring way. Mm-hmm. Now here's the fifth lie we're going to cover today. I have fallen out of love with my spouse, or I love my spouse, but I'm not in love with them anymore. Mm. We've heard these exact statements expressed to us over the years from many couples that we've talked to. Mm. And it generally means that those strong feelings that they once had for their spouse are just no longer there, or they're only felt on rare occasions. Now, we're not saying that what they are feeling is not real. God did give Mm. us feelings, so Mm. we shouldn't ignore them. But we also must be very careful not to be led by our feelings alone. for sure. As we all know, when we make decisions based on our feelings alone, it's likely going to cause many regrets in your lives. Mm -hmm. Here's what the folks at Marriage Missions had to say about falling out of love with a spouse. They said, we don't really fall out of love. We may have just stopped making the choice to love. We might find ourselves drifting away. The world's call to simply follow your heart is not what God's word teaches. Our heart cannot always be trusted. If we are not making wise choices to stay close to God and to our spouse, we may find ourselves not only drifting, but getting caught up in the fast-moving currents of the world. So let's, let's take a minute to think about what the marriage mission folks just shared in that quote and dig down a little deeper into it. You know, many times when we have talked to a spouse who's feeling out of love and we ask about their relationship with God, they usually let us know that they're, you know, they're not very close to God at that point in their lives. The spouse is, is not making wise choices to stay close to God. So should we be surprised that they are vulnerable to the lies of the enemy and the lies of the world in a season when they're not really drawing close to their creator and their savior? But, but, you know, here's the second part of what the marriage mission folks say, and this is generally 99% true in situations where a spouse is no longer feeling in love with their spouse. We have to just stop. We have just stopped making the choice to love, right? That's what they say. We have just stopped making the choice to love. You know, Tim Keller had a great quote on this. He said, our culture has said that feelings of love are the basis for actions of love. And, of course, that can be true. But it's truer to say that actions of love can lead consistently to feelings of love. We'll say that one more time. Our culture says that feelings of love are the basis for actions of love, and of course that can be true. But it's truer to say that actions of love can lead consistently to feelings of love. 
So you, as our listener, know that we always want to be pointing you to Scripture, to God's Word, that not only brings great wisdom, but can also bring great hope. So here are two scriptures to marinate on if you are a spouse who's feeling out of love with your spouse and you don't see how your love can be restored. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples in the midst of them not understanding the ways of God. In Matthew 19, 26, it says, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And God spoke these words to the prophet Jeremiah in a time when Jeremiah needed hope. And this is from Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? So listener, remember that you do not have to depend on your own abilities alone, or even on your spouse's abilities to renew and rebuild your love for each other. God will be at work in you as you cooperate with him. We love what Christian writer Debbie McDaniel said. She said, many have walked through very difficult seasons of marriage, but it doesn't change the truth. No matter what we face, God does redeem and restore. He is the God of miracles. It's his very nature. And if you find yourself still in the midst of a struggling marriage, cry out to him for help. He can bring back to life what was dead. The power of God can give hope, a fresh start, the chance for a do-over, and a new beginning. You know, as an additional resource for you as a listener, especially related to this slide, we did a post on our blog entitled, How Do We Get From I Do to I'm Done? We encourage anyone who's feeling this way, or if you have a friend feeling this way, to check out that post. We'll put a link to it in our show notes. And we're also going to put some more great articles to read on lies we can believe about marriage also in our show notes. So please take some time to check those out. There are other lies you may be tempted to believe, but you won't know until you're confronted with each one of those deceptions. So as we finish our podcast today, we want to leave you with this quote from Marriage Missions. We will be continually exposed to lies as we live on this side of heaven. Be aware of this fact. Whatever you do, please don't take God out of the equation Mm -hmm. when you and your spouse are facing life-changing, marriage-changing decisions. Jesus said over and over in the Gospels, I tell you the truth. Jesus is the one we should ultimately listen to and follow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me pray. Lord, thank you um, that even though we can be deceived, Lord, the, the Spirit of God lives in us, and He is the Spirit of truth. It says He will lead us into all truth. And so, Lord, help us to recognize any lies we're believing and replace those with truth. Help us to walk closely together as husband and wife, especially in seasons when it's hard And help us to remember there's always hope because you are a God who redeems and restores and reconciles. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you so much for joining us today on the Abiding Marriage Podcast. We are so thankful for you. Our hope is always to help as many couples as we can 
to grow and thrive in their relationship with each other and with the Lord. So thank you for being here and for also sharing this with others that you may know. Hey, and we hope you'll come back for another episode. God bless y'all. Bye. Thank you.